All right. So today I said we're going to talk about like rapid change, and I kind of tweaked it a little bit. Uh, I got to get a different camera. Should kind of click in now. All right. And this is my Cobra Kai T-shirts, not not Orwell's 1984, even though I think they're pretty close. Uh, I think I set out that I was going to talk about rapid change, and I'm going to talk about that because I just been like a few people, I was at back-to-back -back conference recently. You know, I was at uh, HypnoThoughts in at the end of July, and then I, a week later or so, I was at uh, the NGH conference in beautiful Marlboro, Massachusetts. And so, and then I got home for like two days, then went and worked on a, a film set for three days. So it's been kind of a, a hectic few weeks in a good way. And so when I was thinking about, you know, because when you go to these conferences, there's a lot of things on rapid change, quick change, how to do these kind of things, you know, what can we do, you know, to help people change quickly, which is good. But many times, at least what I've noticed, is uh, rapid change doesn't stick, right? It'll give you a jump start for a few days, maybe a few weeks, maybe a little bit. And then, um, and, it, and again, it depends what you would say is rapid and how long is the measurement for what you would consider a success. But if you're really trying to change, you know, you have to look at it a little bit deeper, right? And too many times, I think hypnotists, NLPers, a lot of the personal coaches just take, they focus primarily on the superficial bullshit. Right, they'll get a little change, get their money, and then move on. You know, that's the whole basis of I'll show you how to get big ticket clients on the internet. Da 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 da. Right, and of course, I always say if it was that easy, why would you constantly go train other people? You would just keep 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 your big ticket clients for yourself. Um, but so when it looks at this, you know, and it was interesting at the at the two conferences, I got in a couple of arguments at each conference with some people, different people, different groups, same argument, exact same argument, which I thought was interesting, right? Which was the argument was, and you've heard me say it a lot, is why are there so many fat hypnotists and personal coaches? I do not understand that. You know, and at one conference, they really lit into me, say I was body shaming and doing this and that. I'm like, well, I'm just saying it's not healthy. This is cut to the bottom line, right? It's not healthy because uh, I just I know in my own life if I there's if I if I put on that ten pounds I used to carry my knees hurt more and my lower back when I drop the weight and I keep it off my knees I don't have to take quite as I don't have to take as much you know anti-inflammatory that the wonderful Veterans Administration gives me or some of the other stuff right because it's it's weight dependent you know. Uh, and the, ortho, the last ortho I said, he said, yeah, there's a, you know, for every 10 pounds you put on, you take so many months off your, off your, the shelf life of your knees. At least that's what he thinks, right? And I'm like, this is interesting. So anyway, it was a, it was a cool argument in the two different camps with a couple of different groups. And like I said, the one was calling me body shaming. And that, if, and all I was saying is this is just, you know, I always wanted to do the Jack Nicholson. Well, then you can't handle the truth because the evidence is just standing there with a donut, right? 
Uh, and so it was kind of interesting, you know. Um, and I, I, because again, if we have the keys to the kingdom, if you will, with hypnosis and NLP and some of these personal change techniques, why aren't they, why aren't you doing them in your own life? That would be, that's always my default question, you know. Um, and again, I saw it, at, you know, at the, at the one conference, especially um, in Vegas, uh, the whole time I was there, is there like seven days total? I think it was. Um, and I saw exactly five people from the conference at the health club in the at the hotel. It's a really nice little health club at that. I think Michelle went to it. There's a really nice little gym, right, at there. Uh, and I would go down in the morning and never saw anybody there. But you saw a lot of people at the alligator bar drinking, you know, and now the big thing is vaping, all these people getting stoned at the at the alligator bar. And I'm like, this is kind of interesting. But you know, I'm not judgmental, except when I'm being judgmental. Um, but uh, so anyway, so when it gets to this, like what about the rapid change? What about the rapid change, right? You're gonna help people make rapid change. Well, it all, you know, it when I sent out that easing, the title was what. Well, you know, why are you you? Who are you? Right. And it boils down to uh my bird screaming in the back. Uh it boils down to one primary little thing. Basically, you're you are, you know, your habits. Right? You are your habits. Your habits are you. That's that's and I think that sometimes is the missing ingredient when you're working on rapid change. You could work on the like weight loss of that, but what are the habits that got you to put on the weight? And do you need to change your habits to get the habits that will keep the weight off? Right? You're you're your habits. I um, um, forget her name, but she's a psychologist, at the University of South, uh, Southern California, and she she estimates at least forty five percent of your life are run by habits. You, it's the things you do not consciously think about that you do, right? And and so that's, you know, I was thinking about that at these conferences because I was watching what are, what, are, what are people doing that they're doing unconsciously? You know, what are people doing unconsciously without thinking about it? We all do that, you know, and whether it's first thing in the morning, getting your coffee and loading it up on extra sugar and cream and then putting a couple of pastries, getting a couple of pastries and walking around like that. Right. If that's a habit and it's and you're not even consciously, you're barely consciously aware that you're doing it. Right. Um, it that becomes who you are. And then those things like, you know, um, like weight, you know, putting on weight, developing the bad habits, you know. So if your habits control you, if you have bad habits, right? Right? If it's bad habits, you're going to get negative, negative affect, affect from it, right? Whether it's, you know, drinking too much or eating too much or, you know, now I can add vaping too much, you know, it's all a lot of that, especially at the one conference, by the way. And, uh, you know, because Las Vegas always, they also brag they have the world's largest dispensaries, right? And the casinos are starting to to put in their own 
um, like vape, you know, customized vape pens and things like that, right? So it's kind of interesting. So what are your habits that drive you to do this, right? And I think part of this goes into someone sent me a thing about, you know, um, we have permissible indulgences, right? When you get these permissible indulgences, and there, and well, it might start as a small thing, you know, like I'll occasionally have, um, you know, a sweet or a, a dessert or something like that. But many times those permissible indulgences become a habit. It becomes the way, you know, way you eat, right? Um, and again, I saw it more in Vegas just because it was easier to watch it in Vegas because we all had lunch together at this big buffet that was delicious. And, you know, uh, how many people went to the dessert place first and got their cheesecake and, their, and they, they had some great desserts, by the way. As Michelle can come on and tell you that they did have. It's Vegas. You know, it's the buffet. It's a classic Vegas buffet, right? Um, or even the habits that they have, you know, loading up like with the uh, with the pastas and the white rice on their plate, right? And I'm like, well, that's interesting. You're also sitting all day basically at a conference, right? So it's like, so high carb food, not much physical activity, right? In a closed environment with no sunlight, hmm, you know? And I did see a few other people. It's like uh, one guy, we were standing there talking, and he finally says, I got to go outside and sit by the pool. I got to get some sunlight. I've been in here for like six straight hours, right? I said, good idea. So we went out. We're sitting out. It's rather warm. Las Vegas is rather warm. But we went out. We're out there by the pool uh, in the sunlight to get some vitamin D, right? And, of course, the guy that said it uh, is, um, I would say he's younger, but I'm not good at age. Uh, but he's in great shape. He takes care of his physical body. And him and I kind of started this conversation I'm having now. And he's like, I don't understand why people don't take better care of themselves, right? Uh, and I know part of that is, um, here's a story, reminds me of the story. I was teaching a class, right? Uh, basic NLP class, and everyone in the class was a massage therapist because I was teaching it at a massage school. And the person that ran this massage school it took my class and thought it was great. So she had all these, she had a massage school. So she wanted me to teach her, uh, uh, you know, the students. And so I did an intro thing and we were talking about rapport skills and doing this and that. And what I noticed is these are massage therapists. Their body, you know, working with the body, being physical is their thing. Is when in the NLP world, when we talk about sensory acuity, they were all absolutely horrible at, at being physically uh, aware. Like when you do, in the NLP thing, we do a touch exercise and stuff. They had no, they were not physically aware, which was kind of interesting, I thought. And then one person pointed it out that had been a massage therapist for a while. And she said, well, it's because you're focused on someone else. You can't be focused on your own body when you're doing a massage, right? You, because after if you do it enough, you're doing three or four massages a day, your hands are probably getting tired, you're on your feet. It could be, you know, it's you're focused externally on the on 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 helping this person with, you know, like that. 
Um, and I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting, right? Um, and I, I, so I began to track, you know, who's good at this, this kind of stuff. And, but that makes sense to me. So when I think about this thing that I'm on now about like, why are there so many, you know, uh, um, hypnotists and personal coaches with some bad habits, it's because their focus is outside. You know, they're not looking at themselves, right? And usually the only time, you know, and I've gotten a lot of people calling me to help, you know, like cut back on their drinking or, or lose weight or something. And it's usually after a crisis that makes them look at that, right? You know, um, uh, you know, they, they, get in a, they get in a little scrape with the law due to drinking, you know, uh, maybe a DUI and suddenly I'm getting a call. Can you, I didn't think I, whatever it was, it's not important, but I've had a lot of those phone calls. And I get people that like, um, well, the last four or five weight loss, they were all kind of the same because it usually runs that way. They're all like, you know, I saw pictures of myself and I couldn't believe that was me. What happened? And I'm like, well, you quit exercising. You've been locked down for two years. You're eating, you know, you haven't changed your eating routine from when you were working out pretty regular, right? Uh, it's kind of a recipe to put on a few pounds. You know, if you were used to burn 3,000 calories a day, now you're burning 1,500 calories a day, but you're still eating three or 4,000 calories a day. It's going to go somewhere. It's going to go somewhere, right? And 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 things like that. So what are the bad habits? You know. So if we're going to look at change and making change better, we got to really not just look at the superficial thing like uh, helping to make the first level change, but you got to drop down to what I would call I don't know. I'm just making this up. Second level change where you look at what habits led to that person doing whatever that behavior or getting that affect affect in their life you know what's the what's the what's the underlying not just actions or behaviors but what's the things that become second nature you know what's the what's the thing that becomes the habits you know uh, and again when you look at you know harvard just harvard business school talked about you know binge drinking is up 21 percent and for adults, and that's usually over the age of 24, because usually binge drinking is a teenage, early, early adult phenomenon, high school, colleges, first, first few years if you go in the military, that's kind of the binge drinking phenomenon. But now they notice that it's up 21%, and they estimate that that's underreported, right? So you figure it's up, well, why is it up? Well, maybe you had these habits Okay, if you look at the thing that's binge drinking, well, what are the habits? Well, if you were used to having a cocktail or two after work, right? So let's say you're Billy and you live up there in the Beltway and you had to drive in. So you're looking at a 45 minute to an hour commute, right? So you get off, you know, you get off work, you know, four, four or five o'clock. Well, you got that hour commute and that's a little bit of decompression time, right? And then you get home and you have a beer or two or a cocktail or two, no big deal. Not, you know, it's like fine. I, I'm not anti anything. And well, now let's say you're working from home. So you don't have that hour commute. You don't have that decompression moment. As much as you can bitch about traffic, it's it's cloistered you from the outside world for a few minutes, right? And it's and you're, you know, 
And unless you're drinking and driving, and if that's the case, that's a whole different issue we'll have to talk about, right? Then you come down here to Florida or buy guys buy ice beer by the can, you know, at the gas station, which always cracks me up. But but um, so anyway, you know, you got that decompression time. So you get home at like six, you know, then you have your drink or two and you then you might have dinner and that. Well, now you're working from home. So you log off the computer at 435, whatever it is. There's no decompression time. And you you pop the top. Right. Or you pour your glass of wine, which leads to another one. And you're also thinking, I don't have to get up extra early in the morning for the hour commute to the office. So I don't have to be on the road at seven. You know, I can roll out of bed at you know, if you're starting at eight, I can roll out of bed at 7:30, run a comb through my hair, put on a clean shirt, you know, and then just sit there in my pajama bottoms and, and start work, right? So you don't have that time. So then you're thinking, well, it won't hurt to have one more drink. Right? Nobody's, you know, it's the same phenomenon, you know, Bruce and I have seen in Florida where people retire. And they start drinking more because they can. You know, there's no buffer in the morning. So, but it could be the same with like bad eating habits. You know, it's, uh, you used to snack a little bit when you get, but you got off work, you had your, let's say your commute drive, and then you got home and you had a, a snack and then you had your dinner. And then, you know, but now that decompression moment alone is gone. So that little snack becomes, because now you're snacking at five, not six. So the snack builds, you know, and calories count, you know. Um, and so it's kind of interesting when you when you look at this. So all these little habits that you don't consciously think really matters begins to matter, right? And then you flip into the other side, not just the uh, pick on food, not just what you eat, right? Right. It's it's you know, what do I always say? It's not what you eat. It's what's eating you. So now you have these extra stressors from the pandemic, from the all this stuff going on in the world. And if your self regulating mechanism was either like drinking or or eating, well, you're going to up it because you're just trying to self soothe. Right. So now you're doing that then. But wait, there's more. Right. So it's not just what you eat, it's what's eating you, but also what about exercise or movement, right? You know, we were told for about 18 months it wasn't safe to go outside. You know, I mean that, you know, we need to shut down the health clubs, the gyms. Heaven forbid we want people going somewhere where they actually do something good for their health, right? So they shut that down. So people, it's easy to get out of a habit especially if you weren't a chronic exerciser, you kind of made yourself go, right? Well, you got out of the habit, right? I, I have worked with several people lately that have said, you know, I, they don't understand it because they get, they like when they exercise and they like when they finish exercise. They don't understand why they don't exercise. And I said, well, it's because it's not a habit. If it was a habit, you would exercise. You know, I was doing a little Tybo in my room on the film set, right? Before I would go, because I knew I was going to be sitting on my ass for on a 12 hour shoot and maybe had 45 minutes of actual filming, right? So you're sitting around all day waiting for your, you know, you're off and you go do your thing, 
right? And guess what? They had all the junk shit out there. You know, when you're on a film set, they, they put out a lot of snacks and stuff, right? And they had some healthy snacks, you know, some like beef jerky and fruit, apples and bananas and things like that. And again, I'm just sitting there watching like, let's see, who's, who's picking what? You know, and it was pretty easy to see who was eating what, who was going through the bags of chips. One at, you know, there's one person who said, damn, I think I went through like eight bags, you know, the little bags. I think I went through eight or 10 of these little bags of chips, right? Well, you're bored, right? And of course I'm sitting there going, you think this is bad because they're younger people. Can you imagine being on a film set when you didn't have cell phones to entertain your ass? For, for eight or, you know, you had to actually like read a book, you know, when you were, you know, and there's a couple other more mature actors there going, oh yeah, that was the first rule. You brought two books to a, to a set so you could sit off by yourself and not, you know. So anyway, so things like exercise, are you moving? You know, you got out of the habit and now you got to re-access and maybe reset that habit or do that. And one of the quickest changes is a linguistic change, is a linguistic change. And it's, it's pretty simple. Right? In fact, it's one of those that's so simple that most of us don't do it, which is like, if you get up in the morning and you say, you know, I got, I got to work out today. <sighs> I got to work out today. Right? Or yeah, I got to eat healthy today. Whatever it is, right? What does this word do to your brain? Right? To me, this for most of us, it means it's force. There's a force. You know, I got to do this outside. It doesn't matter if it's out out uh, of an external force or an internal. You you have there has to be pressure for you to do it. I've got to do this today. Right? And the linguistic switch, one of them is if you switch it to you know, I get to work out today, right? I get to eat healthy today, right? You know, so what, you know, so it's like, you know, this, this one linguistic switch, you know, this for most, for most people, this is like a good thing. You know, it's a positive. I get to do this. You know, right? So you, it turns it from a more of a negative into a positive. I get to work out, I get to do this, I get to do that, right? And I'm not saying that'll make long-term change, but it'll start the process of, because it's your internal dialogue that drives everything, right? It's your internal dialogue, right? And again, going back to our classic NLP, you know, you have your internal state, your, um, your external behavior, you know, and your, you know, your internal representations, which includes your self-dialogue, right? And all of those represent each, you know, they, they all link together, you know, it's kind of like if you make yourself, if you, if you get yourself to the health club, you're much more likely to exercise. I always hear people say that. Once they get there, they know they're going to exercise because they're at the you know, they're at Gold's Gym or Planet Fitness or wherever it happens to be, right? You're going to exercise because you're there. The other reason is it's the external 
people around you, that's the behavior that they're doing. Right? And again, it's that it's the people you surround yourself with, which will really set your 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 behaviors, right? No, I, uh, um, you may not rise to the level of your dreams. You will always fall to the level of your peers. So if you want a better life, get better peers. You want to be in shape, hang around with in shape people. You want to be thin, hang around with thin people, right? You want to be successful, hang around with successful people, right? Whatever it happens to be. So, you know, so you're going to the, like, you know, and again, going back to the conferences, I was seeing the people that were like snacking on the fruit and doing this. They were kind of hanging together, you know. Um, this year was they didn't, but usually at the one conference, the National Guild, um, they'd have a table out in the morning, you know, with like pastries and stuff on one side, and then coffee. And on the other side, they put out fresh fruit because it was up in the it's in Massachusetts, and it was all locally apples and plums, things that were grown locally, at least that's what the manager of the, of the resort said. It's basically local stuff. And you'd see the people that were grabbing all the fruits and, and the healthy stuff would be talking. And then the people, and I swear to God, I heard this conversation several times, where people are putting the three or four donuts on their, on their plate, loading up the sugar in their coffee, going, you know, it's just so hard to lose weight. No, it's not. Put down the crap. Step away from the plate. Move your fat ass. It's pretty much. <laughs> I didn't do that at the conference. I was tempted, you know, but it's just fascinating, right? So again, you know, so, you know, we get the, a small linguistic shift, you know, change your internal dialogue from you got to do certain things to you get to, right? Um, and one person was telling me how effective this was. And the person that pointed it out to me said, you know, um, they didn't exercise regularly before the lockdowns. And they noticed since things have opened up, they started working out more at the health club. And I said, why is that? And they go, because I think, hey, I get to go to the gym. You know, big brother's not telling me I can't go to the gym. Okay. So it's like, Oh, okay. And that was his, it got him motivated, right? And again, so the other thing I think besides, you know, we wanted to look at habits. We want to look at these internal reps with people. And I think we want to help people find an external group that will support that behavior or whatever the behavior is that they want, that the habits are normal. So if it's like, uh, you know, exercise or eating healthy if you're hanging around with people that are exercising or eating healthy it's easier to do that you know i always well you know i'll always default to like the 12th you know like the recovery world you know there's a reason why people that that recover from addiction long-term addictions alcohol drugs um they usually hang around with people that have that are in recovery at least at some level right you know, it's like, and there were several people, at the, especially the conference in Vegas, which I enjoyed, uh, that I personally know don't drink or or use substances uh, for a lot of the same reasons I don't. And we were a couple of them were talking to me. It's like, um, 
they were gone from a lot of the social activities early, right? You know, it was one person been sober a couple of years said, yeah, because if you still, you hear this a lot in the AA world, if you hang around a barbershop long enough, you're going to get a haircut. You know, if I hang around that bar, you know, the alligator bar long enough, I might, I might have a drink, except for Billy. Billy won't get a haircut, you know, but, uh, but, um, but yeah, so it's like, that was kind of interesting, right? Um, so again, so we need to work at like, you know, what are the habits? You know, can we look at the bad habits, but then at the same time, what are the good habits you could develop? You know, not, so it's not just removing a bad habit, and I'll quote, but this is always my complaint when people go, you know, I can help someone overcome an addiction and they'll never have to like go through like a 12-step program or anything like that. Okay, the thought is they can remove the bad habit. But are they going to develop good habits in its place? What are they going to do? You know, if every day for 20 years you got off work at the factory and you stopped for a beer, Okay, maybe now you don't want a beer, but what are you going to do? You know, what do you have any? And all those guys used to hang around with at the, you know, at the at the bar after after work, and maybe go on the weekends and watch sports event. If that's not in your agenda, if that's not in your world, what are you going to do? Right. So, so we not only have to remove the bad habits, we have to figure out ways to get them the good habits, right? And, you know, that will build on that. So I would start with the linguistic shift from the things you need to do, saying you got to do this, to you get to do this. And I forget who was pointing that out, right? And so, you know, this is why our old programs or our old habits, good or bad, are going to be what rule your life. So you got to look at the, and again, if they're true habits, you're not consciously aware of a lot of them. You just make those choices. You know, you just make those choices because you are your habits, right? That's who you are, right? Um, and so, you know, a lot of people have reached out. So I think what I'm going to offer next, what I want to push next uh, is a, uh, I'm trying to think of how to word it. I don't, don't like the word challenge, but it's going to be a, a, a mini control, control the food. Don't let your food control you. Control your food habits. Don't let your food habits control you, right? And so that's going to be a lot of fun. And part of it, the first part is going to be talking about, you know, the eight mental rules for long-term weight control. You know, right? I'm going to, you know, because the physical rules are pretty easy. You need a caloric deficit to lose weight. It's that Billy's the scientist here, but there's, you know, you got to be in a caloric deficit if you want to lose weight, right? So that, you know, so you need to move more, eat less, do some other things, eat healthier. But at the same time, you need to feed your muscles. You need to do some other things. So we'll be doing the physical side, but we'll also be doing like, what are the mental laws? Where, where is our mental aspect? What habits can you develop that can become long-term habits for, for the kind of life that you want? So that's what I'll be, that's what I'm, because again, walking around the conference is just made me go, I think people need this. I don't think they'll most people won't sign up because you know they're too busy, they're too busy saying, you know, I'm special, it won't work for me. There's another, you know, they're you know. 
and it's the sliding scale. I'll, I'll, I will shut up with it's the sliding scale of what's what's the norm. What's the norm, right? I was at one of the conferences. I was sitting in the room, uh, hiding from people because I was peopled out, and flipping through the TV, and uh, Jaws was on the original Jaws, nineteen seventy six. I think it was seventy seven. Whatever year, you know, mid to late seventies, and I'm watching it. And they have the big beach scene, right? When the when they're getting, you know what I mean. If you've never seen it, everyone should watch it. One of the best It's rated as one of the top five motion pictures of all time, right? And the the scene where the one guy does the speech about the USS Indianapolis, man, best acting I've seen. But anyway, when they did the beach scene, you know, I'm sitting there going, God damn, everybody on that beach is skinny. And it was just normal group, you know, that was filmed up in, it was filmed on location. It wasn't like, you know, Hollywood where they got all the young, beautiful stars and starlets, right? It was like everyone's thin, right? And I was thinking that, and then the next day there was a stage hypnotist there and he was showing a clip from um, his college, one of his recent college shows. And I'm looking at it and the first thing I, this sounds cold, the first thing I thought is, these kids are big, big, you know? And then in honor of Billy there, I'm thinking, I don't think any of these people would pass a basic PT test, right? Yeah, so we better get that clone army up and running too soon. Um, but so I'm like, and that's just the, you know, things have changed, you know, that the, what we consider the norm has changed. You know, and it's and I'm I don't I don't I guess I am judging it, but it's just kind of interesting, right? right? It's just kind of interesting. And you know, um so that's kind of where my what I've been doing. Uh, I could Billy, by the way, I you know, I could still crank off 40 push-ups in one 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 round. Uh mainly because I got to do that on set uh, soon. Uh, so anyway, uh, that's it. Let me stop the recording. So look for info on the other stuff. And what we'll be, I'm not sure what we'll talk about next week, but it'll be something fun because I know I'm not going anywhere for the next few weeks. Thank you.